This is episode 121 of AA Beyond Belief. Today I participated in the Secular Ontario AA Roundup held in Hamilton, Ontario. It was a great success. There were well over 100 people at the conference. People came from all over Ontario and other provinces in Canada. Uh, People came from the United States. Um, I had a blast. I left there just feeling so happy. It was great to see old friends who I've met at previous conferences, to uh, meet people who listen to the podcast, let me know how much it meant to them. It was just great. I'm still on a high from that. Um, So uh, I didn't really have a podcast ready for today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to post as a podcast a recording of the panel discussion that... uh, I did with Jeffrey Munn, Jeffrey being the author of Staying Sober Without God. And the uh, topic for the panel was the practical 12 steps. So now the audio uh, quality is not the best, and that's okay. We'll clean it up later on uh, for this recording, as well as all the other recordings, which will be posted on our site and YouTube channel. So here it is. The Practical 12 Steps with me and Jeffrey Munn. This is the panel on the Practical 12 Steps, and there are two people, as you can see, who are on this panel. I'm going to introduce one of them. His name is John S., and John is from Kansas City, Missouri, and he is the fellow who created the website AA Beyond Belief. And... um, that was back in 2015 and I love the site it's got for example new stuff of late um, a lot of poetry, news um, podcasts articles, a little bit of everything and um, so that's John S and now Diane will introduce the other fellow. Here you go. Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, my name is Diane. I am an alcoholic. Hi, Diane. Hi. Uh, Jeffrey Munn, yes. Jeffrey Munn is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Santa Clarita, California, where he lives with his wife and three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And he has been involved professionally and personally in the field of addiction recovery for over 10 years. He is also the author of this fabulous book, Staying Sober Without God. So, I read the second chapter of Staying Sober Without God on AA Agnostica. Right away, I thought, I have to get that book. I ordered it on Amazon. As soon as it came, I read it in two days. And after I read it, I phoned Roger and said, Roger, we have to have Jeffrey Munn at SOAR. So, wow, we didn't have very much notice. And Roger said, well, yeah, I agree with you. But I said, well, ask him what can be the worst thing that happens. He says, no. But 
He said yes. <laughs> and uh, we were very, very excited that um, on such short notice and a long way, he came from California. I'm sure he's jet lagged. Um, it's, um, it's my great pleasure and honor to introduce Jeffrey Munn. And so, would you please help me welcome, uh, give Jeffrey and John a warm Canadian AA welcome. Thank you. I'm Jeff. I'm an alcoholic addict. Um, I, hi. I have been sober for 13 years. Um, March 4th. 2006 is my sobriety date, and I struggled a lot at first with um, with the theism, deism, I guess is the word I'll use, in the 12 steps, and at first I was so desperate that I was willing to give it a shot. I was like, all right, let's try this. People are saying I can make my own higher power. I can write a list of the qualities he, she, it has. And I'll give it a shot and I'll pray and I'll do all this stuff. Uh, and I really did. I really gave it a shot. I really tried. I was praying morning and night, really trying to give myself um, the opportunity to seek God or a higher power. Um, and... I like to think that I had a healthy skepticism throughout. You know, I was I was really looking to see if anything happened, and uh, and I just felt like I was trying to force something that wasn't working for me. Um, problem was, any time I came back to a sponsor or a meeting or someone to to talk about it, it was uh, sometimes gently, sometimes not so gently. I was nudged back in the direction of, you know, oh well, you just have to open yourself up to it more. You just have to this, or you just have to pray harder. You just have to pray more. Stop praying for this and instead pray for this. You got to pray the right way. And so it was, it was frustrating. And uh, I eventually stopped going to meetings and I had a relapse after about two and a half years. I first got sober when I was 20 years old. About two and a half years after that, I relapsed uh, with alcohol and a couple other I did a little more experimenting, a little more research. And then um, I decided I had to go back to meetings because meetings have always been helpful. The people have always been really helpful for me. Just having other people that I'm on this path with is super, super helpful. And so um, I went back, but I decided I would kind of put more of my personal growth into my therapist's hands. And I was very fortunate to have the resources to afford some really good therapy. My parents were supportive of that, which I'm eternally grateful for. I realized I was privileged in that way. Um, but luckily, it opened me up to this whole new way of thinking about recovery. And I got so much benefit from therapy that I decided to become a therapist myself. And so I had a unique experience of being able to do therapy and understand therapeutic principles and principles of psychology and theories of psychology while also going through the 12 steps. And I found a lot of commonalities there, and I found that there was no need to necessarily, um, there was no need to have the God part of AA be a deal breaker. There was a way to navigate AA without 
having to subscribe to a belief in a supreme being. Um, but it just required a lot of translating on my part in my head. I was in meetings just kind of like, okay, he's saying he turned his life over to his higher power, and then, uh, okay, what he means is da 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 And so I kind of just I eventually got to a point where I felt like writing a book that I would have wanted at the time. And so that's, that's essentially what my book is. It's a translation of the 12 steps into a language that makes sense just from a psychological perspective. And it adds a couple things in there that I feel like are missing. Um, although there's not a ton. I, I do feel like the 12 steps have a lot of wisdom and, and a lot of, there's a lot there. Um, so I kept a lot of the stuff that worked and I shifted around to make more sense for someone who's looking at it secularly. So I don't know how much time, how much time is this whole thing? How much time do I have to talk? I don't want to go over. What's that? When's, when's my flight? <laughs> Tomorrow morning at 4.30 a.m. my local time. It's going to be fun. Um, so I'm just going to briefly, if it's all right, go through the 12 steps as I wrote them. Um, again, I have the book because I have not memorized them myself. Um, and... Uh, Again, if you guys have any questions, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but if you have any questions, please let me know, and I'll be around afterwards to talk. So for me, step number one, admitted we were caught in a self-destructive cycle and currently lacked the tools to stop it. So in that, it covers powerlessness, in my opinion, and it covers unmanageability. Uh, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the unmanageability part because I've known some people who especially around the time of the first step, they would look at that and go, unmanageable? No, I got my job, I got my this, I got my that. You know, um, so yes, there are aspects that are usually unmanageable, but I just wanted to focus on the fact that any amount of unhealthiness, any amount of destructive behavior, I think is enough to want to initiate the process of recovery. Step two, trusted that a healthy lifestyle was attainable through social support and consistent self-improvement. So, speaks for itself. Three committed. Three was one of the hardest ones to translate because it's super gaudy. Um, committed to a lifestyle of recovery, focusing only on what we could control. And I think that's a huge part of the whole turning your life over is really not necessarily that we're turning our lives over to something outside of ourselves. We're just stopping trying to control every single aspect of it because that drives us crazy. It drove me crazy. I don't know if you guys had the same experience. It drove me crazy. Because I can't control, there's only so many things I can control. So that was the focus. So I'm going into this program with the focus of what can I do, what can I change, what can I, con what can I control. Step four, talked about earlier, made a comprehensive list of our resentments, fears, and harmful actions. Step five, shared our list with a trustworthy person. Again, very similar to the original step. Step six, made a list of our unhealthy character traits. Not a fan of the character defects word, we're not broken. We have, due to a combination of nature and nurture, we have developed techniques to try and make it through life and not lose our minds. And a lot of these techniques are not necessarily healthy, but they served us in some way, shape, or form. And so I think we need to honor that and honor that they had a place in our lives and that they did serve a purpose for us 
and we're functional. But now, if we want to live sober and we want to have a healthy lifestyle, they need to be brought into balance and we need to learn how to live with those uh, character traits in, in a more balanced way. Uh, seven, began cultivating healthy character traits through consistent positive behavior. So again, this one is also pretty heavy on the God in the original one. You're turning your character defects over to God or your higher power. Um, I know through personal experience and through what I've learned as a therapist that we have some power over that. If we want to be less selfish, we can do more selfless things and it will start to rewire our brains and change our behavior and we will become less selfish people. Um, and that goes for pretty much any character defect, unhealthy character trait that you can think of. Um, if we are, if we have a tendency to be lazy every day, find one thing that you can do that is more productive than what you did the day before. Find something new that you can do that's productive and take some motivation. And by gradually and consistently doing that, we begin to change. It's just the nature of human behavior. We're creatures of habit, and we can create new habits. And then the new habits that we create change the way that we think and feel and relate to others. Step eight, determine the best way to make amends to those we had harmed. I think that's self-explanatory. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would cause harm. That one did not need a lot of changing. It's pretty straightforward. Step 10, practice daily self-reflection and continued making amends whenever necessary. Um, this step for me has just been the most crucial in terms of maintaining recovery over a period of time. It is so easy for me if I'm not paying attention and taking the time to focus. It is so easy for me to not notice that I'm backsliding to just kind of wake up a couple of months later and be like, wow, I really, my recovery has taken a hit. I'm doing a bunch of, I'm eating, I'm eating more cookies. I'm playing more video games. I'm binge watching more. Net, something's going on and it, it kind of can sneak up on us. Um, so step 10 has been just crucial in that just throughout the day, every day, doesn't have to take very long self-reflecting. What have I, you know, what am I doing today to take care of myself? Have I hurt anybody today? Have I been kind? You know, and, and you can reflect back to step six and seven. What are the character traits that you're looking to do? You know, have I done this today? Have I practiced generosity? Have I practiced, you name it. Step 11, we started meditating. Like, I shortened that one quite a bit. Uh, meditation for me has just by far been the most powerful tool um, in my recovery. It's the longest part of my book because I just think it's the most important. Um, I think it plays into all of the other steps. I think we're more able to do all of the other steps if we're in a place of mindfulness. You're more able to look at your unhealthy character traits if you're aware of them, if you're in the moment and practicing presence. Um, and then 12, sought to retain our newfound recovery lifestyle by teaching it to those willing to learn and by surrounding ourselves with healthy people. Um, it's just about maintaining what we got by giving it away in some way, shape, or form. And I, I, in my book, I don't focus so much on sponsorship because I truly think 
sponsoring somebody is, is it takes skill. It's not an easy thing to do. And it's not something that I think everybody is cut out to do necessarily. And that's not a judgment. Um, it's, it's a big responsibility. It requires some pretty significant kind of self-monitoring. You know, you have to know when to check yourself and not impose your, you know, and let people go. We all, not all, many of us have caretaker streaks in us. And that can get kind of tapped into when we're sponsoring. So I, foc- I like to focus on just service. What, kind, what can you do to help somebody else in or out of program? What can you do that will make somebody else's day better? What can you do just, you know, and um, that also, you know, can go into step six and seven a little bit. It's just practicing thinking about other people throughout the day, even if it's just like, you can, I tell some people to set an alarm on their phone, you, you know, just every day at like one o'clock, think about something you can do for someone else. And then eventually it will become a little bit more automatic and then maybe, you know, it'll start to happen naturally and then, yay, we aren't as selfish as we were before. Um, but I think some form of helping and doing for others is just is is crucial just in terms of living life, not necessarily for addicts. It's just it's something that is fulfilling, I think, for most people. So thank you. Hi, I'm John. I'm an alcoholic. Thank you for inviting me here. Um, it's an honor. I, I was a little bit nervous when Roger said, would you like to talk about the 12 steps, uh, uh, secular 12 steps? And um, a little, little, little intimidated by it because I, for 25 years, um, I didn't even know you could do anything different with the steps than the way they presented them to me. Um, and what I learned about thinking about the steps differently, I learned from many of you who are sitting in this audience. So it's like the student talking to the pupil here, really. But um, I thought what I would do is just kind of give you my experience with the steps in these two perspectives, because what I've learned fundamentally is they're pretty much the same, but we were explaining what we were doing maybe in, in different words. But Maybe I should start with giving you a little bit of background about, first of all, what I knew about religion and God and what I knew about AA before my first meeting. I didn't know anything about religion and God. I didn't grow up going into into any church at all. But I didn't really think of myself as an atheist. I didn't think of myself as a non-believer. I really didn't give it too much thought. I thought that I was someone who just didn't have the knowledge to believe in God or didn't have whatever it is that allows some people to believe in God. I just figured there was something wrong with me that I didn't have the ability to have that faith. So that's all I knew about God. I just said, okay, I'm just not capable. Um, What I knew about AA is only what I saw on television and in the movies. Um, I remember watching Hill Street Blues, and I'll never forget this episode when Frank Perillo, the cop, Goes, he has a shot of whiskey or something, and he goes to an AA meeting. He says, my name's Frank. I'm an alcoholic. I'm like, oh, my God, why did you say that? But that's, that's all I saw of that meeting. I, 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 didn't, I didn't see the holding hands and the praying. I didn't see any steps. And in all the movies that I would watch, there was never anything about steps. I didn't know anything about steps. Dear Abby, when she said go, telling people to go to AA, she never said do steps. So when I got there... I, it's kind of complex because the steps gave me hope, 
and disturb me at the same time. Um, I mean, the first step I thought was a really good description of where I was at in my life. I, I was okay with that. But I did notice God everywhere, and they had the traditions up there too. And, um, but I didn't let that deter me from that initial hope that I felt. Um, and, and at the end of the meeting, someone gave me one of those little cards that had the 12 steps written on them. And I was so excited because I had a plan, and I needed a plan. And I'll never forget, it was a rainy night, and I drove my car to a payphone. We had payphones then? And I called my brother in Florida, and I said, Bill, i got to read you this. And I read him the 12 steps from that card, because I was so excited about having this. I said, this is what I'm going to do. So I didn't know how to do it, but I knew that you had a book, and I was excited about getting this book, because I figured that that book would help me figure out how to do these things. And I was disappointed with the book. It was different than what I thought it might be. <laughs> it was very mystical. But um, what I did, without really realizing it, I kind of conformed to what my group was doing. And what my group did is they studied that book and they worked the 12 steps through that book. And that meant, you know, we would read, we'd talk and relate our experiences as it, as it relates to the book, we'd get on our knees and pray. We did all that stuff. So that was my experience with the steps. As a, as I wasn't a, I don't know what I was. <laughs> I was a regular AA guy, and that was my experience for 25 years. And that's what I do with other people. Let's get down on our knees and pray. I mean, that's what we did, right? So after 25 years of this, I realized that I am an atheist, and. It was there that I learned that there is another way of looking at the steps. And one of the first things I did is I went to that big book and I started taking out all the God stuff and underneath that was what the big book says it is, a practical program of action. These are practical steps. So I was very comfortable with that and I would go to my home group with this new outlook that, hey, you don't really need God. <laughs> and didn't go over real well with a lot of people. So that's why we have a secular meeting in Kansas City now. <laughs> but basically, I, what, I, what I learned is that it's not what I believe that keeps me sober, it's what I do. And I did write my, the 12 steps in my own language, um, as I learned from you to do. And that has evolved over time. And I've got to the point where I'm a lot like Jeffrey. I don't even know what my own steps are because I don't, I don't, they could be different tomorrow. Um, to me, all it is is an expression of an experience. This is what happened to me and this is what I, this is what I did. Um, and a lot of those steps are nothing that, but that. It's just something that happened in my life. There's a lot of lessons I can draw from that and some benefit I could gain from it. But yeah, it's very, it's very practical, the things that I did. Some, I have detractors, and they'll tell me that, oh, you got sober in, in a, regular AA, you know. Yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't the praying or anything that was keeping me sober. It was the other people in the room, and it was the things that I was doing um, for my own mental health. So anyway, I do have a little, okay. 
I want to tell you about what I, some of the things I've learned about the steps from Jeffrey's book and some other books that I've read and some people I've talked to from the podcast. One person who I find really interesting is Jeb B. from the Freethinkers Group in Denver, Colorado. Jeb wrote out um, 12 steps for his group, and what he is really concerned about is the word we. He doesn't like it. He hates the say, he says, don't you include me in your we. So his steps are all first person, I did this. And I like that because it is kind of empowering. I did this. Um, and then there was um, Bill W. Bill, I'll say, well, it's not the real Bill W. It's not the, it's not the old Bill W. It's a new Bill W. And he wrote a book called The Secular Twelve Steps. And he is just in the vein of Jeffrey's. Except for, for his book is probably great for someone who's just getting out of treatment. And he, and he breaks the steps up like in three components. The first three steps being your early recovery. Um, then you have the, um, the, the middle part of the steps where you do your, um, your midterm recovery, I guess. And then your long-term recovery is 10, 11, and 12, those main steps. So very, very practical stuff. And he also, as a scientist, he goes into a lot of the biology of addiction to help you understand that, which is really nice. With Jeffrey's steps, the one that I think, I, and I read his book twice, and my group uses his book in our um, step meeting. So I've really read it like two and a half times because we're, we're going on step seven now. And um, the second time I read it, what really struck me was step, his step two because it was different than how I thought of it before. You know, the original step two is we come to believe that something is going to help us. And I even said that. Yeah, I came to believe, I thought, I thought step two to me was, I came to believe that I could find help in AA. His is more optimistic. His is like, I believe I can, I believe I can change and have a healthy lifestyle. And that is kind of what we were doing. That's what I was doing. I'm sorry, we. I was doing. <laughs> I was searching for, you know, I guess a, a different way of life. And, and that's what I got. So I love the steps. Um, I, I um, sometimes, though, am a little um, careful with them because I've, I had this experience for the 25 years that when I look back on, I, it disturbs me in some ways. And I have memories of people who would um, beat themselves up because they were depressed because they weren't doing some step right. And I had people saying, oh, you don't need a therapist, you just need the steps. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, there are things like that. Now, that doesn't happen in our group, but I'll give you an example of something that I am guilty of doing. I was so excited about Jeffrey's book, we were going to have the step study, and I started writing up a syllabus for it, and it was going to be like a college course, basically, and we were going to also incorporate the big book so that the, these new people would have an understanding of the original steps so they could do these other steps, and I'd give them assignments. And, 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 and they would feel this pressure that they had to get this assignment done before the next meeting. And one of the assignments was to read We Agnostics, and they hated that. It was just, it, I just made it a miserable experience. <laughs> so, and Jeffrey says in his book, you know, this, you know, this is, th these are not things that, these are not things that have to be rushed into. So, I don't know what more I can say than that. I, I will say that these steps were designed to be practical. The way that they were originally worded were just worded that way because it was those people from 80 years ago that wrote it. 
Um, when we sit down together over coffee and talk about our experience, we're talking about the same steps, but we're just using everyday language. Anyway, thank you. that concludes another episode of AA Beyond Belief. Thank you for listening. If you would like to support our site and podcast, there are a couple of ways you can help out. You can post a review on iTunes, hopefully a favorable one. You can help us out financially with either a recurring or one-time contribution. You can do this by setting up a small recurring contribution at our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash aabeyondbelief, or through PayPal at paypal.me slash AA Beyond Belief. And you can always just visit our site, aabeyondbelief.org, and click on the donate button. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of AA Beyond Belief.